Welcome to the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla Holdaway and I'm a registered and accredited sports dietitian based in beautiful New Zealand. I am so glad you have joined me on this podcast where we will discuss science, sports nutrition, running and physiology alongside interviews with athletes, experts and other health professionals. Whether you're listening to this podcast during your commute, your training session or whilst cooking up a storm in the kitchen, you can be reassured information is discussed in a thought-provoking, evidence-based and easy-to-understand manner so that you have more tools in your nutrition toolbox to be your best self. Hello and welcome back to episode 23. Today's episode covers all things caffeine. I will cover what caffeine is, common sources, how caffeine works physiologically and how it can aid our sporting performance. I'll finish with answering a few of the questions sent through on my Instagram page that haven't already been covered throughout the episode. So what exactly is caffeine? Caffeine is the world's most consumed psychoactive substance and one of the most well-researched substances on the market that has a stimulating impact on our central nervous system. Caffeine is naturally found in over 60 different plant species, including many that you would know, such as tea, coffee and cocoa. It can also be made synthetically and added into pharmaceuticals and supplements. A great example is something like Nodos. It is a socially enjoyed substance all around the world, with statistics in the Western world illustrating around 90% of adults consume caffeine regularly, with coffee and tea being some of the most common methods to enjoy it. Caffeine can also be found in things like energy drinks, cola, cocoa, dark chocolate, and supplement forms such as sports bars, gels, drinks, and even in chewing gum. So the amount of caffeine in different products, even between different brews of coffee, can vary significantly. And to give you a bit of an idea, a cup of instant coffee has around 60 milligrams. But here's the challenging part. This caffeine content in an instant coffee can vary anywhere between 12 and 180 milligrams. A short black espresso has around 110 milligrams with a range of 25 to 215 milligrams. And a cup of tea contains around 30 milligrams with a range of 10 to 50. Nodos, so the tablets, typically contain 1 to 200 milligrams per capsule. And many caffeinated gels on the market for sports range between about 25 and 70 milligrams each. And the reason caffeine in drinks prepared, like coffee, can be so variable is because it really depends on how the individual makes it, the size of the cup of coffee and of course the type or brand used. Someone making an instant coffee might add a teaspoon and another might add five, so it can be pretty variable. When we consume caffeine, how does it actually work in the body? So everyone is going to respond slightly differently to caffeine when we consider someone's genetics, the caffeine consumption type, their habitual caffeine intake, and with regards to sport, it will depend on their performance goals and the type of sport too. So after oral ingestion of caffeine, around 99% is absorbed into the bloodstream from the gastrointestinal tract and peaks at 30 to 90 minutes after consumption and reaches all cells of the body. 
It rapidly crosses our blood-brain barrier and is metabolized by our liver. So as mentioned, genes can really affect how we respond to caffeine and how sensitive we are. And this is through a gene called CYP1A2. And ultimately, once caffeine is consumed, it has an antagonizing effect on what are called adenosine receptors. And these are specifically the A1 and A2A receptors. So these receptors affect areas of the brain involved in things like sleep regulation, arousal and cognition. And because caffeine molecules are chemically similar to adenosine, it binds to the adenosine receptors. And because these receptors are related to things like sleep, for example, then sleep is not really felt if caffeine's attached to the receptor instead of adenosine. So this binding to the receptor can also have positive impacts on our mood, alertness, our focus and mental vitality as well. I also just want to briefly touch on the impact of caffeine and sleep. Do you know about the half-life of caffeine? This is something I talk about regularly with clients, especially around sleep hygiene. So with drugs and substances, there will always be what is called a half-life. And this is the measurement of the time taken for the plasma concentration in the body of that particular substance to reduce by half. And this can vary a lot between individuals and can be minutes, hours, days, or weeks. When it comes to caffeine, the half-life is around six to seven hours. So if you're enjoying a hot cup of coffee or tea or whatever at 3 p.m., half of that caffeine is still floating around your system as a stimulant at 9 to 10 p.m. at night, when your body is trying to wind down and prepare for sleep, unless, of course, you're someone doing night shift. So although some people enjoy coffee later in the day and some people even have it after dinner, I do not know how, <laughs> and they report no issues of getting off to sleep, my advice is to enjoy your coffee or ca caffeine beverage in the morning only and switch to non-caffeinated substances in the afternoon and evening. Because like alcohol, it may not affect you initially getting off to sleep, but it can really affect the quality of your sleep. Another important consideration with the half-life of caffeine too is in pregnancy is the half-life can actually be extended up to 8 to 16 hours, which is quite interesting too. Caffeine in sport. So caffeine is one of the most popular performance enhancing supplements in the athletic world. And it's really increased in popularity since 2004 because this is when the World Anti-Doping Agency actually removed caffeine from the list of prohibited substances. Imagine not having caffeine for performance back in the day. So research measuring caffeine's performance enhancing benefit has included things from endurance to time trial type activities. And the outcomes have repeatedly shown that caffeine helps to reduce perception of fatigue, it improves power output and muscle contraction, it improves mental focus and helps with faster reaction times. And caffeine can positively impact our muscles through calcium iron mobilization, but the evidence shows us again and again the main targets is mental and physical performance gains through the central nervous system and the brain. Some studies have shown caffeine can reduce our carbohydrate use during exercise, which ultimately increases our endurance exercise capacity, which is what everyone's after, right? So these studies used dosages between 3 to 9 milligrams per kg body weight, taken anywhere from 30 to 90 minutes before activity. 
And many other studies have also shown caffeine dosage of 3 to 6 milligrams per kg body weight a day can increase endurance by 2 to 4%, which can make all the difference. So what I'm going to do now is cover a few of the great questions that were asked through Instagram. Um, I have condensed a few down because a few were similar and I've also covered a few of them already in what I've discussed. So firstly, and a very topical question is, what are your thoughts on caffeine post-COVID to avoid elevating the heart rate more? So I think it's really important for anyone returning to training post-COVID to take it super slow, listen to your body and keep a really close eye on what your heart rate is doing. A lot of people do experience slightly elevated heart rate above what is normal for them and some people have also reported things like palpitations and I think if you have any ongoing or concerning symptoms I would strongly encourage seeing your doctor and they may consider doing an ECG or doing some blood tests looking at things like troponin levels and if they're concerned they may even refer you on to get a cardiac MRI. When we think about how caffeine impacts our heart rate and what we've discussed already about what we know about caffeine is it stimulates our central nervous system. So you may have noticed when you have a strong coffee in the morning and go out and run that your heart rate is a little bit higher than say if you didn't have a coffee beforehand or say running at a different time in the day when caffeine's not so much of an impact on your heart rate. Um, so if you're wanting to have a more accurate gauge of heart rate when you're returning to training post-COVID, I would say firstly wear a chest strap rather than just relying on your wrist heart rate and secondly hold off the caffeine beforehand because then you can have a more accurate gauge of how your heart rate is. Next question, and this came up a few times, is can caffeine lead to dehydration? So what is dehydration? So dehydration is basically where our body's fluid losses exceeds our intake. And most literature to date suggests that caffeine dosages of 2 to 4 milligrams per kg body weight a day does not have a diuretic effect. And I know that's contrary to popular belief, but it doesn't. I always like to say coffee and tea in moderation will still hydrate you more than it dehydrates you. In excess, so if you're consuming like, I don't know, eight cups of coffee a day, say, and they're quite strong, then you may find it starts to dehydrate you much more than actually how much it's hydrating you. And as I've talked about, everyone's response to caffeine will be slightly different, but moderate intake, you know, a couple of cups of coffee through the morning should be absolutely fine. Um, Short-term increases in caffeine intake can cause like a mild increase in urine production at rest, but caffeine-containing drinks are unlikely to cause an exercising individual to become dehydrated. And habitual caffeine consumption does not cause any prolonged alteration in fluid balance. Um, and tea and coffee, ultimately, they're still a really good source of fluid for many people. So actually telling someone to completely cut them out could actually have more of a detrimental in impact on their overall fluid intake than actually the caffeine from those drinks in the first place. So... Another consideration. Another question, and this was a goodie too actually. After a run, is caffeine helpful for recovery and glycogen storage? If so, how much slash how often after? So 
With recovery after exercise, caffeine can actually improve the storage of glycogen in our muscles, which is quite interesting. So caffeine improves recovery by enhancing how quickly that muscle glycogen resynthesis happens, basically. And some research illustrated that consuming caffeine at a dose of 8 milligrams per kg body weight with carbohydrates enhanced the rate of that muscle muscle glycogen accumulation compared to individuals who just had carbohydrates after. These were very well-trained athletes and it was after strenuous exercise, just to add that in. So a few things there is that study was a very high dose of caffeine and it's above what I would generally say would be a good target of three to six milligrams per kg body weight. So they were doing eight. Um, and the other thing to note is they were very highly trained athletes and it was after really strenuous activity. So is that applicable to everyone? Maybe, maybe not. And also just to add my personal thoughts on that is say if you competed an endurance event all day or you're out on a training mission most of the day, are you really wanting to consume a hit of caffeine at like 4pm later in the afternoon, thinking about how that can affect your sleep? And also thinking about how powerful sleep is on recovery. So I guess it depends on the timing of the race too. Like if, if you finish training or racing in the morning, then yeah, you probably could have some caffeine to just have that little bit of enhancement. But personally, I would put more of an emphasis on a good night's sleep rather than loading up on caffeine post-race or training session. That's just my thoughts though. Uh, another question, should you hold off caffeine before a race to get more of an impact on race day? This is a question I get all the time and you're probably happy to hear what I'm about to say. <laughs> so a period of caffeine withdrawal doesn't actually appear to influence the performance enhancing effects of caffeine on endurance performance. So instead of missing your warm cup of coffee and take a week, enjoy it and feel reassured that on race day that caffeine is still going to work just as it has been and you'll still get the benefits. So don't stress about it. Uh, another one, how much caffeine is too much? So we know that long-term daily intakes in excess of 500 megs is generally discouraged by health authorities. <laughs> So to put that in perspective, 500 milligrams, that's around, say, three to four strong espresso-style coffees, keeping in mind what I mentioned before about how the caffeine content can be highly variable. Um, and another comparison would be, so six small, or you know, the six standard-sized cans of Red Bull. So just over six of them would be around 500 megs as well, just to put it in perspective. So it's quite a lot. Um, yeah, I, I guess someone who is drinking coffee all through the day, even if it was like weaker instance, like you could you could get up to that 500, I guess, quite easily. So yeah, again, if you're sticking to the rule of just a few cups of coffee and caffeine throughout the morning, then you should stay below that well and truly. Uh, next one, should you consume coffee slash caffeine on an empty stomach? So there's, there's a bit of mixed evidence out there, but generally there isn't a huge amount of research that shows there's serious detrimental impacts of consuming, say, coffee on an empty stomach. I think it comes down to the individual, and I know some people find drinking coffee on an empty stomach can cause a bit of stomach upset, um, you know, abdominal pain or diarrhea or just feeling a bit sick. So it really depends on you um, and, yeah, how you respond to that. Personally, I know if I drink 
too strong a coffee on an empty stomach, it actually makes me feel a bit jittery and yuck. Like the, it's almost like the effects of caffeine are heightened. Um, so I generally like to have it near food for that reason. And lastly, not so much a question, but it was more just like a comment. They said um, I had a terrible race from too much caffeine. And yes, this is certainly a thing. There is a fine line between that ideal dosage uh, to create you know, maximal performance outcomes and crossing that line and getting the undesirable side effects, which is things like really you know, racing heart rate, palpitations, you might feel really shaky. Um, can also lead to impaired coordination and over-arousal, which is, you know, if you're competing in a multi-day event, um, could also really impair your recovery as well if it's affecting your sleep. And yeah, so again, you know, you should be practicing caffeine and training if you're planning to use on race day um, and sort of knowing where your ideal dosage sits. So some final top tips to finish. Um, Taking caffeine 60 minutes before you kind of want the peak ideal desired outcomes is um, optimal. The ideal dosage in most research is 3 to 6 milligrams per kg body weight. So the upper end of that, say if you're 80 kilos, 80 times 6, you're looking at around 480 megs at the maximum end. So that's still below that 500 total, yeah. Um, and from personal experience, when taking part in an endurance event, say it's over four to six hours or longer, have a small amount of caffeine with your pre-event meal or breakfast, and then really try to hold off until sort of the final half to third of the event, and you'll really find when you do consume it, you get a real kick from those positive impacts of caffeine, rather than if you're just sort of hammering it from the get-go and you're also reducing the risk of overconsumption and getting those undesirable side effects too but again it's individual but um that's just a personal tip um there is no evidence of a dose response relationship to caffeine so basically what i'm trying to say is performance benefits don't exponentially increase with increased caffeine dose it's a case of sometimes less is more and sometimes a lower dose of caffeine hits that ideal performance outcome rather than ending up with um, an overdose and having those horrible side effects. And lastly, I'm sure I say this every time I talk to someone, don't try anything new on race day. So if you want caffeinated products to be part of your race day strategy, then you should be practicing these in training and finding where your tolerance is. So thanks so much for tuning in again. I hope you all learned something interesting from today's episode. If you have any questions or feedback, I would love to hear from you and I hope you all have a great week.